welcome. This is the Dating Counselor Podcast, the show that takes you out of the dating game and into a successful relationship. I'm Lonnie Harmon, and I'm a licensed therapist, and I am the Dating Counselor. Thanks for listening. So what does it take to create a successful relationship? Well, that is the question that I am out to answer in teaching you my new class, The Relationship Screening Method. Go over to thedatingcounselor.com, click under Courses, and learn more about this new course that I'm offering on a virtual platform that also comes with weekly live coaching sessions with yours truly. So that's again, go to thedatingcounselor.com, look under courses and look up the relationship screening method so that you can actually apply the method to then begin creating your successful relationship. Hey, I'm so excited for you guys to meet my guest today. Her name is Amy Woolsey and she's here from Texas. (laughs) <laughs> she is going to be uh, our special guest today, and we actually are recording live for your enjoyment and entertainment. <laughs> I am so excited. I found her through stalking her on social media. You can catch her at Life Coaching with Amy, mm-hmm. and I'm going to just promote the hell out of her because I want you all <laughs> to follow her and listen to her podcast. She has really good information about dating, about young single adults. Uh, about pornography, about betrayal trauma, about triggers, about all kinds of information for you to go in and do a deep dive, send it to your friend, send it to your neighbor. These are people that need this information and it's out there. We want people to feel connected to resources. So Amy, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. You're awesome. <laughs> We're here. You're my friend already. We're like best friends already. We've, we've met like in person, what, five minutes? And I'm like, yep, you're my I best know. friend. I know. We just like, it's one of those conversations that you're just like, we kind of started in the middle, even though we literally just met. That's like the kismet or the like Anna Green Gables kindred spirit moment. Yes. Oh, my heart. The fact that you just even brought Anna Green Gables into it solidified the deal. I think Gilbert Blythe blessed me up. <sighs> I would watch that show and I would be like, apparently I haven't found my true love because I should have found them a long time ago. Right? Which is actually a great lead into what we're talking about today. Exactly. (laughs) Because, I mean, that and then Tom Cruise, You Complete Me. I mean, we could just go on and on, right? All of these movies and TV shows that give us this false idea of what love is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've shared this story with you, Amy, but I will on that Tom Cruise note. Um, I swear, we've talked about this in in our five minutes of getting to know each other. We both are kindred spirits that swear. And I, when I was dating, I used to try to hide that from the men that I was dating because I, in the back of my head, the cultural programming was a woman doesn't swear and it's not attractive And he won't like you. He won't want to be with you. Mm -hmm. And this is a part of my personality that I was still hiding from men that I was dating, even though I was really comfortable being pretty authentic in most every other area. So when my husband and I were dating, something happened. I said, hell, I don't even know. And I just jokingly said, I guess you don't want to date me anymore. (laughs) And he was like, what? (laughs) Unpack that for a minute. And I just was, I told him the whole thing. And he's like, no, that's fine. So then later when we were 
you know, talking about marriage and everything. And how did you know that you loved me? And he jokingly said, you had me at hell. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is awesome. <laughs> so, so that's our joke. And I had this adorable client. I told this story to for Christmas one year. She gave me a needlepoint and oh, she had hand stitched. You had me at hell. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is the best story ever. I freaking love that. I'm jealous. I want that story. We'll, we'll get you a t-shirt okay. whenever okay, I that sounds good. decide. <laughs> <laughs> whenever you have time. Right. That's actually what I do with Scott, too. Um, my now husband, my second husband. It's same kind of thing. I was, like, just totally upfront with all the stuff. I'm like, here it is, dude. Take it or leave it. Yeah. And he's like, so, I want that. Thank you. Uh-huh. You can have it. <laughs> and that leads to a point that we should make early on is that on th- authenticity, being yourself, is actually the cornerstone of attachment. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today are kind of how to identify someone who's not being authentic and also how to identify within yourself when you're not being authentic and bringing that into the dating right from the beginning to hopefully do some prevention for marital problems. That's the idea. Prevention. Well, yeah, prevention and we can only prevent so much. Right. I say all the time to, to my YSA ladies, like what we're really shooting here for is, is leaning into a healthy risk because there's always risk. And that is the one thing that, well, there's many things. That's one of the things that I think rocked my world the most when, when things started to blow up in my marriage, my first marriage, because it was, well, hold on a second. I did all the things on the list that I was supposed to do. Why is this happening? And it, it, I didn't, I didn't think it could if I did all the the right things, checked all the boxes. Mm -hmm. And so I think really it's more like, let's learn how to be healthy ourselves first. Let's learn how to recognize healthy. And then we're both going to step into taking a healthy risk, Mm -hmm. but there's always risk involved Mm -hmm. in any relationship. And I think that's what a lot of um, I'm not even going to say just women. I think there's a lot of young men too that are scared, but I think mostly I'm going to be speaking to women today. However, I want to just put it out there too. Um, there's a lot of men that are equally afraid, but there's a lot of women that are very afraid of getting hurt. They're afraid of divorce. A lot of women, um, young single adults right now, right, are have parents like me <laughs> who were divorced and who experienced hell and they don't want to go through that. And so they're trying really hard to avoid that in in a lot of different ways. But so anyways, I'm taking a long time of just really just saying, y'all, it's a risk. It's always going to be. But let's try taking a healthy one. Right. Yes. And I'm so glad that you bring that up because I think if you try to eliminate risk out of the relationship, you're going to be dating forever. Forever. You have to look that risk in the eye and say, okay, we're going to take that leap of faith. But like you're saying, like a healthy risk, and I call it like a high risk or low risk. Are you going to be a high risk Mm -hmm. or a low risk person? Are you going to choose a high risk or a low risk person? Mm -hmm. And what kind of results can you anticipate based on your choice and kind of your choice with how you're going to do the work and how they're going to do the work? So we are on the same page here. (laughs) Okay, we're going to lead out with one of the number one questions that I get from my clients and that is, okay, he told me that he has viewed pornography. What do I need to know? What Mm -hmm. questions do I ask? I don't even know what to do. 
And side question from me, I can't fix that for you, little love. You have to go in and have that conversation. So when, where do they start? How does it happen? Yeah. So this is a definitely a hot topic. It makes sense why you're getting this one a lot. Um, I, I get it too. And this is one of, um, the main things that we talk about in my, um, YSA course, it's how to even have this conversation, but really I think it, we need to back it up even a little bit more. And I think the first thing is you need to do your own education and, and inquiries around pornography. First, you need to get educated about what it is, what it isn't, um, how it affects the brain, how it affects relationships. I mean, there's so many different things that I think a lot of women are scared to, to investigate and to learn about. It's a scary topic. Well, like, I'm not going to lie. Like if I'm like, if I Google, what is pornography? <laughs> I'm nervous. You know what I mean? Right. Which is why you just need to sign up for my class. <laughs> I will send the link in the show notes. <laughs> but no, you're right. It's, and so it's okay. Let's find, which by the way, if you go to just, um, life help with, uh, What's it now? It's on LDS. or Church of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you go to the this the, the LDS website, you can find some really great information there. But um, and I can put in some resources too um that you can put in show notes. But we need to learn about this. We need to talk about it. We need to learn how to talk about it without shame, without you know our face turning completely red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so first of all, I would just say, like ladies, we need to start having conversations, maybe with your friends, maybe with safe people, um, so that you're comfortable saying the words, because what happens is that they get into the relationship. They know they need to talk about it. They know they are supposed to, I'm air quoting talk about it. But if you're not, if you don't number one, know what you're talking about and, and what it is and isn't, you're not comfortable saying the word pornography. We got to start there. Mm-hmm. So I would just throw that out there. And then, um, I think you mentioned this. Um, I think the biggest number one thing I tell is there's no, there's no right or wrong. We're so afraid to like, get it wrong. We're so afraid. We want to know the perfect question or the right way. The right time. I want the little fairy to come Uh down and say, it's the right time for you to bring this up. (laughs) Ding. (laughs) I would love that in my life. She does not exist. No, unfortunately. And, you know, or the checklist. Just give me the list. I'll check it off. And it just doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way for a reason. Because if it is that way, you are ignoring your most valuable asset. And that is your gut, your instinct, you. And that right there is what you have to lean into is you will know. And if you want to ask on the first dang date, girl, go for it. If you like, you just need to trust you. And so, um, I don't really have like an answer to that except, yeah, this needs to be a conversation and bring it up when you want to. And it's not a one and done. This isn't just, let's bring it up. Okay, good. Got that out of the way. We don't have to, let's just now have fun. This is an ongoing conversation where it's like, we're, um, like an onion, right? Just, just layers to this Mm -hmm. conversation. You're not going to get the full story, the full picture, the full truth in that first conversation. So let's just put that out there, ladies. Mm -hmm. You will not get full disclosure. You will not get all of it. So that's why this has to be an ongoing conversation. Mm -hmm. 
when you were asking, when you were telling me what ladies, um, talked to you about, um, if I heard you correctly, you said that when the guy brings it up, they don't know how to respond. Mm -hmm. Let me just say, if a guy brings it up first, that's actually a really great sign. Mm -hmm. Um, the guys that I do young men that I work with, I encourage them. Look, if this is something you have a problem with, or you've had a problem with, you got to bring this up. Mm -hmm. It's part of your healing. It's part of your authenticity, your honesty, vulnerability, transparency, all of that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really great indicator if, if they do bring it up and are vulnerable with that, Mm -hmm. how you respond. And this is, this is a suggestion that I think is helpful. Again, no right or wrong. But I think it would be really helpful for you not to jump into the, um, you probably have a really great term for this, but not the, oh my gosh, it's okay. It's oh, okay. Don't, yeah. oh my gosh, thank you. Like that must I be am really... so honored. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this like in a little cringy way and I don't mean to because I think those are really beautiful things to say. And you do want to openly acknowledge and validate and say, yes, thank you for sharing that with me. But you can also be authentic in the moment and be like, I'm scared to death now and I'm not going to sleep. Have a great night. <laughs> <laughs> right? I will be seeing myself to the door. No, I don't know. But. No, but really, like, let's not go to this place of um, trying to now comfort them because they might, this This is really hard for most of them. Um, I would hope that it's hard for them. I will say if there's someone that it isn't, anyways, I won't go down that road yet. Mm-hmm it's hard for them. They're being vulnerable with this information. So women who are so empathetic, naturally nurturing, it's easy for us to go to that place of wanting to comfort them because we, we can see how hard it is. Mm -hmm. So let's just recognize that that's a really great gift. We're just going to keep that one tucked away for right now. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's not the time to praise and comfort and console if this is really hard for them. This is a time for you to gather information. So I tell my girls, I'm like, just look at like little pencil paper. We're just kind of taking some notes, We're just gathering information. Maybe that's where you can ask the questions to get, to get more information that you will then tell them, thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for telling me that. I really appreciate your honesty. I'm sure there's more to the story, right? We're going to acknowledge that this is You're going to tell me more if you want this thing to keep going, but not tonight. Mm -hmm. Let's come back and revisit this. I'm going to take some time to think Mm -hmm. and I'm going to think of maybe more questions and I'm going to think about what I want to share with you in regards to my own history with pornography, whether that's, you know, a lot of women who also have pornography struggles Mm -hmm. or they've got a parent or a, a close family member who has struggled and it's. And it has completely reshaped their, their world. Mm -hmm. And you want to be able to share that with them too. So steps, layers, let's not hash this out all in one long, you know, five hour night. That's not what we need to do. I think that is beautiful advice. And I like the creating space for more story to come forward and not necessarily wrapping it all up with a pretty bow because you're uncomfortable. Right. Getting comfortable with the terminology of pornography is something that is essential. I think also in healthy sexuality, just having a good working vocabulary about your sexuality, their sexuality, how the different parts of you work. Those are pieces of the puzzle that as they're explaining their story or you're explaining yours, 
things are going to make more or less sense if you don't understand. Bingo. Right? Bingo. Bingo. Because if they're telling you stuff and you don't understand it or you don't know, uh, yes, everything you decide, so spot on. It's going to help you see the red flags. It's going to help you see mm, there's something missing in that piece because you know you have the knowledge, you have the education. Mm-hmm. And amen to own your own sexuality. Right. And if that's an area that you're that you're not necessarily feeling like you're really confident on, again, there's a lot of research that you can kind of do in your own time, in your own space. If you're feeling like you're not comfortable or you don't have people to ask questions to, um, you can reference a podcast I did back with Anthony Hughes, who it was all about sexual repression. Um, I can put millions of show notes about sexuality podcasts out there that are really healthy and good for you to listen to. But number one thing, like you have to take responsibility for that part of you and not deny that it exists. Right. Because right. that's part, I think, of you understanding how somebody else can get into that because we all have hormones. Mm-hmm. We all have sexual responses and desires and acting like we don't is part of the problem. Right. Exactly. So, so true. As you're having this conversation and you're kind of getting into the space called, okay, the story is going to unfold. Can you give some kind of context? What do you think would be boundaries of like, this is an addiction. This is casual viewing. Mm-hmm. This is a serious long-term problem. Mm-hmm. This is your average everyday exposure. Yeah. I don't know if there is an average everyday <laughs> exposure, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So essentially, essentially addiction in general is and I'm going to just generalize majority of men that I think these listeners are going to be, you know, dating majority of them don't want to be addicted to pornography. They don't want to be looking at it. They don't want to turn to that. And, and let's just clarify, right? Pornography isn't the issue. It's, it's an emotional problem. Okay. So it's not that we have a porn problem. We have an emotional problem, which is way deeper, way more complicated. And that's why we've got to do a lot of work behind this. But anyways, we're all attachment junkies. If you've listened to my podcast or if you've been around in the late 2000s, <laughs> right? Uh, attachment is that cycle where we're attaching to our parents or primary caregivers in our youth. And then as we're aging, we're also going to be starting to attach to romantic figures, right? If there's been a disruption in our attachment process, meaning that a caregiver was not nearby or responsive or you were not able to be soothed by their abilities to soothe some kind of disruption with the parent-child process, or sometimes even later, there's just this space where you choose not to turn in to someone. You're saying, I don't want to share whatever I'm going through with you for whatever reason. Sometimes the parent-child relationship could be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's an important point because they're always looking at some like deep fractures and sometimes they're just fine. Right. Parents did the best that they could do. But the child or the teenager or the adult, whatever, they don't want to turn to the person and say, hey, I'm going to tell you how I really think and feel because their concern often is you are not going to love and accept me. There's a dark part of me that you will not love and accept. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to hide that from you. And sometimes I'm going to hide it for so long and do so many devious things with that that I suddenly have what appears to be too or maybe more very distinct personalities and lifestyles that one day there's this big reveal. Right. 
Right. So that's an avoidant attachment often, I think, where you're doing the self-soothe, where pornography is a self-soothing technique. Correct. And it's and it's hard, right, to, un- to unpack that and unra- unravel that and to even see that when we're still trying to really get this education and this knowledge out there. That's why, you know, people like you who do this work and try and get this is so is so important. We need to see this. We need to learn this. But yes, it's it's an emotional thing. Either way, um, they're turning to it. And so when they get to this place where they don't want to look at it, but they find themselves not able to stop, they're addicted. And that's where it becomes no longer a self-soothing. It's like a, it's a mandatory self-soothing. It's the only way to soothe. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kind of liken this to drugs because I feel like we know a little bit more like it to crack cocaine. Exactly. exactly what it does. So it's it's that rewiring where it's like, ooh, a nice conversation would be great, but it's never going to be crack cocaine. <laughs> you are so nice to talk to over juice and apples, <laughs> but I want crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And that's where that unraveling comes in because they know that the, that particular drug of choice is so damaging to their body, mm-hmm. but that's the thing that ultimately their brain starts to wire that soothes them. Yeah. And it is hard and it's sad to, to know that this is happening, but how you can, you're not going to know, um, until they offer this up, you know, if they offered up, yeah, I'm addicted or I have been addicted. Um, so unfortunately what I see a lot of is men who don't realize they're addicted or are hiding this still they're in denial or they're just flat out lying and hiding it. So, um, unfortunately this might be something that you are going to unravel. Maybe you think that they, you know, they've said that I've got it taken care of. You know, um, I hear a lot of my girls say things like, well, they told me that, you know, they, they struggled with it and that they were, and that they've got it all taken care of. And it's almost like I've got it taken care of, you know, wash my hands of it. Great. We don't have to ever talk that about that again. Please don't assume that. Please, please, please. If they say that I used to be addicted, but I've got it taken care of, this is a fabulous opportunity to ask a thousand more questions. Tell me how you overcame that. Who were your support system? What did you do? What program did you use? What do you do every day to avoid that? There is no such thing as like, I used to do it, but I don't, I don't get tempted anymore. I'm good. I'm sorry. That's, that's a load of crap. If you hear that. And if you hear that they never looked at porn, that's a load of crap. <laughs> so, so you have some load of crap things that you can definitely like look for and, and, and check off your list. But so that's when people are saying, well, it's so common and so normal now. That's what they mean by that. It's that, yes, it happens. And yes, that you're going to be exposed to it and you're going to see it. And this, this also this part of like, oh, I just took care of it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not a problem anymore. I think that's what we want to believe. Mm-hmm. And maybe the first question needs to be, that's awesome. How long has it not been a problem for you? Mm-hmm. And what do you consider not a problem? Because not a problem in my brain is going to be like, never, ever again. Right. Right. Yeah. I and not a problem in that, their brain might be like, I only, you know, once a week. Once a week. <laughs> and yeah. and you're like, oh, once a week, you know. Right. So, right. So many questions. So many questions. And that's why we have to be comfortable with this conversation and comfortable using the words and, and knowing what questions you want to, to ask there. So, yeah. Who is your support system? How did you, you know, if they say, 
well, I just read my scriptures and turn to Jesus. I'm sorry. That's another. No. Nope. Because <laughs> that doesn't fix it. You can't pray your way out of something you behave your way into. There has to be some behavioral changes consistently over time um, that they will do f- for as long as they have a human brain. Mm-hmm. So, so do you feel like it's appropriate to, I mean, this is what I want to know. These are the type of questions that I ask. <laughs> and it's like, what, what type are you viewing? Um, what devices or device are you viewing it on? Is there a time of day? Is there like a theme that you've extrapolated, <laughs> you know, yeah, from yeah. your viewing? Yeah, I think that's probably a conversation. If Again, my opinion only. Those are a lot of nitty gritty details. And I think that, again, there's a time and a place for that. Probably not on the first or second or third date. Mm-hmm. But I personally believe if you find yourself leaning towards that emotional intimacy is happening a lot more. Um, you know, when we talk about the different levels of intimacy, verbal, cognitive, emotional, psychological, if you're really connecting on an emotional level, um, frequently and you're getting attached, like you were talking about that attachment and you find yourself just really kind of, um, what thinking about him day and night, yes, you know, dreaming like, about him, they like, become your little dream boy, <laughs> waiting by your phone mm-hmm. to see if they text back. If you're doing that, you want to have, you want to have some serious conversations about this because it gets so much harder to have the, those cutoffs or s- notice the red flags and accept it. Mm-hmm. It's harder to see reality <laughs> when we're really starting to cloud our brain with well you want everything to be okay Mm -hmm. and so you're looking for the silver lining rather than the the facts that are laid out in front of you and that's a really important point as far as you know getting some of that information and I think the other kind of side of that I want to throw out is you're not getting this information for like voyeurism or gratification like you're not doing it so that you can suddenly be their sponsor hell no right hell no you are not their accountability person. Um, I think you asked this question earlier, and that's the one of the things that I wanted to say is that at this point, whatever information they share, you are not their help. You're not their help meet. You're not their helper in this. Even the women that I work with who are married to an addict, they are not their helper. They are not their sponsor. They are not, you know, the one that, that, um, their accountability partner in this and neither should you be. So I have a 20 year old client who was dating um, a guy and they were, he was very open about his, um, he was in a program in a company that I work with working his recovery. Um, but he had, she had put herself in a position to be his accountability partner. And so she was very involved in asking all the questions and checking in on him. They were doing check-ins together every night and it was just way too much for her to handle. And she was, um, now starting to experience, um, betrayal trauma, like symptoms when he was friends with another girl, or if she, you know, now she found herself like watching his eyes and starting to have some trauma within her body. And, um, anyways, long story short, she got to this place where she was full on like experiencing trauma and Mm -hmm. she, they were just dating. And I'm seeing that happen so much more in, in these young single adults when they are getting involved in, in an unhealthy way with this. So 
definitely if this is part of the relationship and, um, it's open, you're talking about it, he's working through it. You need to just be very careful in how we approach that. And so I would suggest if you are dating someone and they are currently struggling with the pornography addiction, I would highly recommend you work with someone one-on-one. I really would just to help you stay grounded, to help you stay, um, in reality. Right. And that way you can see the signs because someone else is kind of looking out for you as well. Yeah. I really like what you said about not being the accountability partner and noticing that you can have symptoms of betrayal trauma. Um, would you explain a little bit about what betrayal trauma is? Yeah, absolutely. So in basically when you are starting to feel attached to someone and having this connection with them and you're tapping into some different intimacies and they are um, acting outside of that relationship in any way sexually. Now that doesn't mean that you're having sex, (laughs) but the fact that he's either lusting after another girl or he is looking at pornography and you find that out, it feels like a betrayal because you're starting to connect together intimately in these different ways. And when I say intimately, I'm not saying sex emotional, cognitive, psychological, spiritual, right? And so... We have possible. So yeah. I, I feel like if you're going to go back to that attachment piece, what that looks like is we are turning to each other. When you've had a hard day, I'm so excited because you're going to tell me. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. I've had a hard day, I'm going to tell you of something that you're longing for, dreaming about, I get to be the one that you tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that turning to each other piece that is like that emotional intimacy that you create. Absolutely. And so when you feel that it's amazing, it's what we live for. It's what we're born to connect. When that connection, you see that connection happen outside of this between you two, it is betrayal and it really can do a number on you. And the more you are connected, the more it hurts and the more, um, and when I say trauma, it's literal trauma and it takes, it takes a while to heal from. Mm -hmm. That's a whole journey in itself. So, Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like that's an important piece of the puzzle that people use usually after the disclosure has happened when someone's married. Oh, you must be experiencing betrayal trauma. And I think it's important to note that that's something that can happen to you in dating Mm -hmm. as you're trying to grapple with this pornography issue and what your role should be. Mm -hmm. Can you give us an idea of who should be a sponsor? Who should be their their buddy to download on? Yeah, well... There's some um, pretty great programs out there, um, and you probably know a few too, um, but um, the one I'm most familiar with is either Sons of Helaman or Men of Moroni through Life Changing Services, but there's some really great recovery programs out there that they need to be a part of. It's not one thing, you know, uh, going back to like the questions that you'll be asking and who helps you through this, and if they, if it's just an ecclesiastical leader, that's not enough especially if they are, have had a full-blown addiction, not going to, not going to help. Sorry. Great bishops out there, but they're not going to cut it. They need a program to help them to rewire their brain. Like I said, it's a behavioral program problem. It's a brain problem. They need to have that piece as well. Mm -hmm. So I think the spiritual part, the brain part, you know, the, um, um, my, my brain just farted. <laughs> all about, the parts, right? All the brain, all these different elements they need to have. It's not just one thing. And so, um, that's a great question to ask them. Mm-hmm. How, you know, how did you, how are you recovering from this? And 
Yeah, who's in your support system who's your support and system. who's who's your mm-hmm. uh, upline, so to speak, if you mm-hmm. have a problem or if there's some temptation. You bring up a thought to me when we highlight the word behavioral, and I think it's uh, going back to that whole cocaine <laughs> analogy. So there's different types of addiction. Some are called substance addictions, like cocaine, alcohol, there's substances. And then they have behavioral addictions, which are behaviors. Behaviors would be like food, sex, gambling. Like these are behaviors that you do. And when we say your brain rewires, it means like imagine your brain digs a trench. And when you have a cue, the brain just automatically goes down that trench to the space that it's Mm -hmm. wired to go to. And so you have to, you know, bury the trench or (laughs) redirect the, the create a new pathway, yes. literally create a new neural pathway. And the thicker the pathway, you know, I kind of use the analogy of like, like a, like imagine like a little machete up in your brain, like a little person <laughs> and he's like carving out a path. <laughs> and the more times he walks up and down that path, it gets clearer and clearer and clearer. And you can just hike up and down super fast. Mm-hmm. And that's what the neural pathways do. Right. And so when, when that happens and they start to feel stress, boom pornography because that pathway is so clear because they've done that so many times and let's go a little bit i'm going to be a little candid here why would stress cue pornography so stress is a really intense emotion we feel it in our brain we feel it in our body we get muscle aches we get fatigue we can get irritable it can make us be grouchy, which can push people away from us. Stress is a really big emotional daily thing, right? Yeah. So why, I mean, if you want to, if we should be so can't, why would pornography relieve stress? <laughs> it's called an orgasm, right? Yeah. yeah. No, it is. It's a release. It's an absolute release. So the orgasm releases oxytocin and oxytocin is the brain's happy chemical where it says, Everything is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And you use that as a survival mechanism almost to say like, everything's going to be fine in my life. I can make it. I can endure. This stress is not going to ruin me. Mm -hmm. And so that's where that pleasure center gets wired towards like, if I have this release, then I'm going to feel better. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the substance. If I have this alcohol, if I have this cocaine, Mm -hmm. if I have this food, if I could just gamble some more, then I'm going to feel better. Mm -hmm. And part of that rewiring means that you have to learn how to channel your stress and get it out in different healthy ways. And it may not relieve it all at once, but one of those healthy ways is turning to people, turning to support systems, exercise, hobbies and interests, Mm -hmm. lots of different things that we, they might take longer. Well, yeah, right. And we're tapping into those three different chemicals, the serotonin, oxytocin, and dopamine. And so you get the dopamine hit when you look at something like that, pornography. And this is why it is addicting, addicting because you get that quick dopamine hit and then you want more and more. And that dopamine, like cocaine, we've been using that a lot. Now all of a sudden one hit isn't enough a day. They need two. They need three. Same way it works with pornography. So yeah, we will die without these like these chemicals dopamine serotonin oxytocin we all have to have to live we just need to get them in healthy ways and so an extreme amount of dopamine is not healthy and that's what they're getting when they look at porn so they need to go get a dopamine hit somewhere else 
go on a jog, on a run, um, you know, something that gives them that hit in a healthy level. We're looking for healthy levels of oxytocin. Oxytocin, yes, you want to connect. When you give someone a hug, you're getting oxytocin. When you have a conversation with someone, you're getting that hit in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And so it takes time because (laughs) you have to be a little bit more intentional, right? You have to maybe be some creative to call someone up and say, can we go on a walk together? And it's a hell of a lot easier to just turn on your phone and look at porn. Well, and I think you bring up a point of, of like the beginning part of a relationship. I think it requires some distress tolerance. Mm. You're going to be building this phase of a relationship where you're getting to know someone and you're kind of, you know, wandering around in the dark and going to have some hits and some misses. And do they like me? And do I like them? You're not to the best parts of it yet. And if you keep in those initial stages of relationships over and over and over and you don't get to the best parts pretty soon you're like to hell with it Mm -hmm. i don't need this (laughs) i got something else Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and partly that's what we're trying to teach too is how to get through that really crappy first part of dating and find something that feels more meaningful and enriching yeah and to even build on that too there's that i see happen a lot too is that it is um how do I explain this? You start to date and maybe you have all of these chemicals that are super high and then it starts to maybe um, lessen a little bit. And I think those people who are struggling in addiction in any way, it doesn't even have to be porn. If you have any addictive behaviors, once that hit starts to go down a little bit, it's easy, relationally speaking, to think something's wrong. Oh my gosh. And then I love you for saying that. That's so true. <laughs> I always am telling my my clients, real love is kind of boring. <laughs> like they'll, they'll like come in and they'll be like, I'm kind of bored. And I'll be like, oh, I'm so happy for you. And they're looking at me like, she's crazy. I literally just told, no, seriously. I just told the client we're trying to like have like healthy, you know, verbal conversations and stuff. And, and um, I gave her the example. I said, look, my husband came in the other day to the kitchen while I was cooking and um, told me about the the amount of lint that he found in the dryer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, that's great, hon. I'm glad you found all the lint. Like, but here's the thing. That's verbal intimacy. We right. had a conversation. It was so nothing exciting. I mean, he thought it was exciting, but like. He saved your house from <laughs> danger. My, okay. He saved, he saved you all. <laughs> Right. But like, it's that kind of thing. Yes. It can seem very boring, but when you're first dating, it's like so exciting. We had this conversation and then now we're talking about Lent, but we're talking Mm -hmm. and that's what you want to keep making sure we do. It's just on a completely different dose. (laughs) Yes. It's not going to be that like, oh my gosh, every conversation is a firework. And I think that whole, like, it's that line too of oh, I just don't think he's that fascinating or she's that deep. And I'm like, real life isn't that fascinating or deep. You know, can you get there when you need to get there? Every day is not going to be a Pulitzer Prize winning conversation. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I think one of my favorite things to, to teach um, is the levels of intimacy. And really, here's what it boils down to. I mean, I love the conversation we're having. It For me, it all comes down to one thing you being healthy with you first there. 
we can give you all the questions to ask. We can give you all the red flags to look for. We can tell you all these things, but if you aren't talking to yourself in a healthy way, if you aren't looking at yourself in the mirror and having a really nice (laughs) conversation with yourself, you're not connecting to your own emotions. If you're not validating your own thoughts and ideas and, um, dreams, you're poo-pooing all of, on all of those yourself, then you're not going to see the red flags. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have a healthy connection. If you can't connect with yourself first in a healthy way, you will be able to trust yourself, trust your gut, trust your instinct, um, trust that you're going to get it wrong and it's okay to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, all of that, when you do your own work on you first, Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so well said. You will know what you deserve as you kind of arrive into yourself. And if you haven't gotten there yet and you haven't developed that emotional depth and really cherishing yourself and what you deserve, sometimes that's where you do just sweep things under the rug because you're like, Mm -hmm. I just really want to be loved and I really want to stop being single. And Mm -hmm. so whatever you are and however this is, I'm sure we'll figure it out later. Yeah. No. And and that's why we have to stop getting married at 18 and 19 and 20 and 21. (laughs) And I'm saying that. Having gotten married at 18, y'all. 18. Bless your heart. 18. I really want to see those photos. No, you don't. I do because I feel like my 18-year-old wedding would have looked so different than Mm -hmm. because I got married at 31 than my 31-year-old wedding, which would still look different, you know, because I feel like you just have to just put it together, Mm -hmm. whatever age. Yeah. No. Anyways. So tell us what you feel like, what do people need to know nowadays when it comes to the after the math of, yes, I've looked at porn, let's get married. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's going to be fine or it's not a problem anymore. I've taken care of it. Don't worry about it. That whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think we need to work on, first of all, changing not only the, t- the age that we get married, we need to start changing the, the timing. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have all these answers in three months. You can ask every question that you ever find on the internet. You can Google all of it and ask all of it. You're not going to know without time. Why is time, in your opinion, so essential to relationship building? Because I will preach that mm-hmm. to the rooftops. And then I always get people that are throwing this ace card called revelation. I'm not going to bounce with your revelation. I'm going to bounce with your timing to ask for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think God can say, yeah, great decision. But like, do you feel ready to actually know that you have made the decision? Not that God has made the decision for you. Well, I don't think he does. I mean, my whole thing is I don't think God does tell us what to do and who to marry. No, I don't think so either. Sorry, did that come out wrong? Oh, sorry. No, you're saying what other people say. Like, this oh, is right. what girls say, right? Oh, right. Girls yeah, say sorry. that God told me. I was me. like, no, I'm great. No, <laughs> you're, <laughs> we're the same. Oh, your eyeballs <laughs> just bugged out. You're like, please, oh, I, I do not. No, this is like what you're saying. This is what girls will say. You know, well, God told me and, or I feel like, you know, and, and, and again, he confirms maybe, or he's, he confirms your agency. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. I confirm to you that you can make your own choices in this yes. life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I've given you power to do. That's what he's doing. But. I think, I mean, God's, he's, he's a dude too. Right. And he's our dad. And I think all dads know that, look, if I tell you to do something and it doesn't work out, you're going to blame me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like he is the parent of all parents. And so 
you know, I would, I blamed God when it didn't work out because I was like, he told me, he well, you did your checklist. Me. I did my list mm-hmm. and I did this. And so I got pissed at him. I was so mad at God. So yeah, second time around, that was all me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, God, I guess this, this is what I'm doing. Like I let him know what I'm choosing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he gets to prompt my mind with other information or, Hey, look here. Right. That's what mm-hmm. he can do. He can guide and direct. But I, I, I think that, um, when you, when we get to that place, please just slow it down. Take some time. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I think you, it helps to work with someone mm-hmm. um, so that you can manage your own um, sexual hormones because mm-hmm. that's really what I think drives a lot of people to just get I think married. it's sexuality and I also think it's that cultural pressure. I remember dating my husband maybe three months and I'd brought him to the singles ward and everybody was so were you guys getting married? I mean, we this was our first Sunday showing up together, mm-hmm. which is always stressful, I feel like, because it's the great reveal of like <laughs> your choices. <laughs> which I wish more people would just do. It's so stupid that we just wait. But anyway, mm-hmm. having to combat at thirty when we're dating, um, no, no, we are not looking at me like, Well, you guys are gonna get in trouble. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Well, Thank you for doubting my sexual impulse abilities. Mm -hmm. But then also, I will ask that question when I want to know. And I appreciate that you think I should, should, should. But don't shut all over me. Right. I'm, I am me. And I don't, I remember telling people, I don't, I don't ask because I don't want to know yet. Yeah. I remember getting a little glimpses, probably like four or five months in of being like, I actually think this could work out. And I was like, Nah, we're just going to throw that away for a second. <laughs> we'll keep dating. It'll be neat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and again, that goes back to you knew you. And when you are comfortable with you, when you know what you want, know what you need, um, you can let go a lot of, of, of all that outside pressure and um, that a lot of these, a lot of these young single adults get. Right. And, and talking to each other both will help you be on the same page. If someone's ahead of the the game or someone's behind the game, I think pacing the relationship is sometimes really tricky. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, I, you just have to be authentic with where you're at. You can't pretend. Right, right. That that could be a whole other podcast, right? Seriously. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I've had to coach someone through the timing issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. Right. Um. As we're kind of closing today, I think what I, if you feel like sharing, what, what do you teach your kids? Like, what's the, like, when you're, I love you're talking about, you know, developing your emotional intimacy and some of these things. Like, what is the thing? Like, they leave the house and are you like, return with honor, <laughs> make good choices. Like, what are you teaching them? <laughs> I think if uh, I really told you what I say to my kids when they leave the house, you would be like, we're not airing your podcast. <laughs> I'm all about, um, I, I really, really hope my children leave my house feeling like they could feel that -hmm. they could communicate, that they could show up however they wanted to in my home. Mm -hmm. Um, after I got divorced, um, I turned my home into a healing home and that's what I called it. And I said, the moment you walk through this threshold, this home is a healing home. And that means you show up however you need to show up. If you're pissed, you can, you can be pissed. There's some 
ground rules. You can't physically harm another person or, you know, verbally assault another human being or hurt yourself. But you can, you can swear like my house, my kids swear, like Mm -hmm. if they are mad or if they're feeling it, um, we talk about emotions, we have that feelings wheel Mm -hmm. all over the place. Um, I really just feel like, and then communicate, we need to show up and talk about the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. We're not going to ignore, you know, throw things under the rug. Um, I had two girls and then two boys with the girls. I definitely, you know, there's those, dang it. I wish I could go back a few years and kind of redo some things, but I love that there's do overs. Mm -hmm. And so I've got a married daughter and then a daughter who's 21 and we have just a lot of conversations around just, um, trusting yourself, Mm -hmm. loving yourself, knowing that you are of worth and value 100% no matter what, Mm -hmm. nothing changes that. And I, I think that's just something that is at the root of everything. Every woman I coach, every, whatever age that is, it always comes down to a worth and value um, belief, believing that you're not enough, looking for someone to complete you or fulfill you or, or even an activity or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, with my kids, it's, that's probably the message I, I spout off the most is, mm-hmm. um, you are 100% of worth and value no matter what. I love that so much. And I think that's that foundational belief that keeps people grounded Mm -hmm. despite the chaos that can happen around them and the different people Mm -hmm. that will come in and out regardless of what choices they even make. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people find you if they want to find you? Um, You can go to lifecoachingwithamy.com. You can go to chooserecoveryservices.com. But um, if life coaching with Amy, you can find all kinds of stuff there. But no, you can go there and you can check out my YSA um, course. Um, I'm running one right now, but you can sign up for the next one. But that's that is one of my most passionate things to do is, yes, I work with a lot of women who are experiencing abuse, betrayal, but I run a teen group and then the YSA um, and we talk about all this stuff. But really, it's about you connecting with yourself, loving yourself fiercely and knowing that there's no guarantees ladies. And if something does happen that you didn't, you know, your plan A doesn't, doesn't plan out. Um, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You're not going to crumble to the floor and be a pile of mush. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel the pain. You're going to feel the hurt and you're going to pick yourself up and move forward. Cause you're a badass badass woman. (laughs) And we got you. We got right? you. I got you back. So the other one is choosrecovery.org. C-H-O-O-S-E. Recovery. recovery. Services. Oh, recovery. Choosrecovery.org. And dot com. Okay. We're going to say that again. I'm going to edit this so much better. The other one is choose. C-H-O-O-S-E. Recoveryservices.org. Dot com. Shit. <laughs> Choose recoveryservices.com. Yes. Dot com. Why is anything, why would anything be dot org nowadays? I don't know. Um, killing me. What, what is the, and the podcast is called Choose Recovery. Choose to be. Oh, shit. <laughs> there's too many, there's too many things. Okay. The podcast is called Choose to be, T-O-B. I'm just going to link With it all. With Alana Gordon and Amy Mulvey. And Alana... <laughs> Is great. I am sure. I've not met her. She's fantastic. She's absolutely amazing. And 
I'll link those on my Instagram on <laughs> the show notes, all the things, because clearly I can't spell it clearly enough for all of you. And I really hope that you guys will go and check out her class uh, and get into that cohort that's coming up next and refer all your friends. And thanks for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Thanks for being my new and friend. Let's go make TikToks. <gasps> yes. Okay. <laughs> now we're going to go dance in the parking lot. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Dating Counselor podcast, where I help you build a successful relationship. It would mean so much to me if you could rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast so that we can change the way dating is happening and everybody can have a successful experience. If you do, please send me a screenshot. I would love to see your review and share it on my social media. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good one. Peace and blessings. This podcast and the social media associated with it represents the opinions of Lonnie K. Harmon, LCSW, and her guests to the show. The content here is intended to be psychoeducational and should not be taken as specific mental health advice. The content here is for informational and educational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your mental health professional for any mental health questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are her own and that of her guests to the show. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Privacy is of, is of utmost importance to us. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect client confidentiality. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapist-client relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast, please send a message to Lonnie at Lonnie at MillCreek-Counseling.com. That's Lonnie, L-O-N-I, at MillCreek-Counseling.com.